0: 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 58. He said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Heavenly Father, I ask you this morning to bless this verse of scripture. I pray that you will speak to our hearts. I ask you to get glory and honor. Thank you for being with us in the service this morning. And I pray that you would touch us now in a mighty way. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated. I want you to notice, I know that you're familiar with this verse as well as the chapter. But I want you to notice one word in verse number 58 that I want to preach on this morning and it's the word brethren. Paul said, therefore, my beloved brethren. Paul is emphasizing the brethren in this verse. I I wanna preach this morning on this subject on a word for the brethren a word for the brethren. Amen. You see, Paul has a word here for the brethren. He just spent in chapter 15, he wrote 57 verses about some of the greatest scripture that's ever been penned down. Oh, the word of God is good, but you know as well as I do that this is a classic chapter dealing with the resurrection of the saints and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul spent 15 chapters and 57 verses in this one chapter emphasizing great doctrinal truths and dealing uh, with sin that was in the church. Now when you think about, he did all of this uh, uh, for the brethren. And when you think about the brethren this morning, I thought about that word, brethren. It is a faith word, isn't that right? I mean the world doesn't use that word in its proper context. Uh, It's not a word that uh, they would like to be identified with. Why? Because it associates you and I uh, with faith. Uh, It is a faith word, and then it is a family word this morning. I wanna say when you call someone brother, or you say the word brethren, you're talking about a particular family, the family of God, amen? And I'm not preaching on it, but while I'm on the subject this morning, you should always call someone brother, amen? Or sister, isn't that right? Uh, Don't call them by their first name. Uh, Listen, uh, without using that, we live in such a, a modern society today that sometimes I'll get in a church somewhere and everybody just calls everybody by their first name. Well, you say, well, preacher, that's just being a little bit too particular. No, I think it's being biblical, amen? It's it's brother Laddie and it's brother Daniel and it's sister so-and-so. I mean, we ought to use that terminology because we're emphasizing that we're part of the family of God, amen? I never wanna get to that place around here where we're just, you know throwing each other's names around without any respect. Can I get an amen on that? I'm talking about it is a family word. And then it's a fundamental word this morning because it's in the word of God. The contemporary crowd doesn't like to use it. The modern crowd doesn't like to use it but we old fashioned uh, independent fundamental Baptists we like the word uh, brethren because it's a Bible word can I get a witness on that this morning And then it is a a fascinating word when you think about it I mean who who would have ever thought that you and I would be a part of the family of God and when you think about who we really are and you think about where we come from we didn't earn the right brother we didn't merit the right brother I tell you whenever time somebody calls me brother I'm reminded of the grace of God and the gospel of God that was in my life and in your life. I don't deserve to be called brother, neither to you or sister, but you're a part of the family of God. That ought to fascinate every one of us. And There's some words I never wanna lose. I never wanna lose the word Baptist. I never wanna lose the word church. And I never wanna lose the word brother, amen? I'm telling you, I never wanna lose the phrase King James Bible. I'm telling you, those are fundamental phrases and it's fascinating. This morning, that you and I, who were sinners saved by grace, are now brothers. We be brethren this morning. Paul is writing here to the church of Corinth. When you think about Paul is writing to this church, they were brethren. They were sinful, they were self-centered, they were struggling, they were shameful, and in some areas they were separated from each other, but Paul brings them all together under this umbrella of the word brethren, emphasizing the fact that they are a part of the family of God. You know, sometimes uh, a brethren will argue, sometimes they'll divide, uh, or sometimes they'll have fallout. I'm glad we don't have that here, amen? Uh, we've got unity in the house of God, uh, sometimes, uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, people will have disagreements with each other, and you know today that the day that we're living in, uh, uh, we see that in churches, uh, in camps, and cliques, uh, and those type of things. Uh, uh, but we're against all that. Can I get a witness this morning? Uh, I'm telling you what I like about fellowship is uh, it. The fellowship is spread out abroad. Can I get a witness on that? In other words, uh, it's just not me and two or three. And I understand you may have somebody in the church that you're close to. I'm not. Preaching against that, I tell you what we've got to avoid in any church is just having a little click or a little a little little gathering. Can I get a witness right there? I, I'm telling you. So how do you avoid that preacher? You spread out and you fellowship with everybody and you treat everybody the same. You say, well, I just connect with with just these five people. We'll try connecting with seven or fifteen others. Can I get a witness? Is that right? That just makes everybody equal. I remember my wife teaching the girls uh, when, they, when they was growing up, uh, they taught she taught them that uh, you fellowship with everybody. Isn't that what we teach our children? Uh, you love everybody. You fellowship with everybody. You get around and say hello to everybody. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, and it's that same way for adults. Well, I felt like I hit a stump there, so I'm gonna back up uh, and just take some good old-fashioned Holy Ghost dynamite and blow the hell out of that thing, amen, uh, because it sure, is in it, amen? I'm telling you, friends, sometimes we get our feathers ruffled over some of the simplest things, but we be brethren, amen? And we don't need to let the devil get in anything. That's right. That's the truth this morning. And Paul, I'm trying to be nice because it's Christmas time. Y'all pray for me. There's so many people dressed in red, amen? When a preacher sees red, he's kind of like a bull. Amen. He he starts wanting to charge something. Amen. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Paul is writing to the brethren here. I'm gonna tell you, preachers are no exemption from this. Uh, they have their cliques and their camps, uh, and they, uh, they they gossip. Uh, i tell you sometimes preachers gossip a whole lot worse than church members do, uh, and we got enough preachers in this church to destroy 10, uh, but I thank God we got unity amongst the brethren, amen, uh, and as preachers, we got to keep it that way. Nobody's above the other. Can I get a witness out of you preachers? Oh, uh, nobody's better than the other. We're not gonna compare each other's ministries to each other. I'm telling you, you, plow the field God put you in and pray for the one next to you, but don't compare yourself amongst yourself. The Bible says if we do that, we're not wise, amen? Uh, every man's got his own field. Every man's got, I mean, I feel like preaching this morning. Every man's got his own ministry. Every man's to plow the field God put him in. Uh, we're to do it with the right attitude and the right spirit. We're not in competition. We're not, we're running beside other. We're not running against each other, amen. Amen. I'll tell you, the further You get out in the ministry, the more you'll realize that sometimes uh, uh, preachers they divide uh, amongst themselves. Uh, I try to listen to make it a practice uh, to detach myself from those men that want to fight any other fight other than the good fight of faith. Amen. I believe in ecclesiastical separation. I'm not hooking up with the Mormons. I'm not hooking up with the JWs. I'm not hooking up with the I listen with the Catholics. Uh, and I'll take it a step further. I'm not hooking up with the flappers, I'm not hooking up with the Presbyterian, the Methodist, and even the Southern Baptist, a convention as a whole. I'm just telling you that I believe in ecclesiastical separation. But I'm gonna tell you what else I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna let another preacher friend run my ministry. Tell me where I can preach and who I can't preach for. I'll stay away from the popes, the Pharisees, the pansies, those who won't preach on nothing, the proud, the popular, amen, and even the politicians. Some preachers, they do this right here. They find out which way the wind's blowing, and that's who they run with. I'm gonna stay away from that crowd. I'm not preaching somebody to get a preaching appointment. Somebody say amen. I'm not got a pulpit to preach in. I'm not interested in having the latest, greatest in. Uh, uh, You know, uh, uh, just to get a preaching appointment, I don't think God's in a million miles of of that, amen? Uh, uh, And you know why? But I'm just simply saying this morning, why? Because people divide, and they divide over silly things like flat earth. I'm so sick of hearing about flat earth. What about flat heads? (laughs) I heard it the other day in a meeting, I was in and God said something about flat earth. I thought, oh, come on, man. Have you not got anything else to preach about? I mean, the, the earth, it's round. Somebody just say amen. God told me one day something about it and I said, I don't want to hear that mess. Amen, we're not scientists, we're preachers. And uh, I don't want even get into that, but anyway. All that kind of silliness. Where did Cain get his wife? First woman he could find, you know that. (laughs) Had to be his sister. I mean, just do the math, amen. Even people from Alabama can put that together. They marry their sister. I don't know why we have a hard time believing Cain to marry his sister, amen. I'm just telling you, that's how it is. And you know it's right. Were the sons of God, were they demons, or were they angels, or were they men? I wasn't there, so I do not know, and I do not care, amen. I'm talking about, Fred, just fight the good fight of faith, I'm telling you, I'm not writing an article about another preacher. I'm not putting out a CD about another preacher. I'm not wasting my time preaching about another preacher. I wanna preach the Bible, amen? I wanna preach the book. I wanna preach what I help people, hallelujah. And there's more drama that goes on amongst Baptist preachers and there are, you know what, I tell preachers this sometimes, I said, you know, I said, if you quit, you're so person, and, and you're fussing and you're fighting about all that. I said, you know the average person working a job, raising a family ain't got a clue what half you guys are fighting about. Isn't that right? Souls are weighing in a balance. Hell is beneath us and heaven is above us and Christ is soon coming We're to fight the good fight. I don't even bring that stuff up to y'all because I don't care about it and I'm sure you don't care to come and hear about it on Sunday. I'm just saying, but amongst all of that, they're still my brother. Even preachers I don't agree with that I wouldn't do the things the way they do and they wouldn't do some things the way I do. I'm not excusing what they do, but at the end of the day, they're still my brother. And this morning in this text, Paul gives three things concerning the brethren. I want to give you very quickly and be through. First of all, I want you to see Paul's identity concerning the brethren. It's found in that first phrase, therefore, my beloved brethren. Paul emphasizes in these four words, four things concerning his identity and the brethren. First of all, that it is purposeful. He said, therefore. You've heard it said many times as a teenager growing up. I had no idea what preachers meant when they would use the phrase, when you see the word therefore, see what it's there for. So I'm gonna tell you what it's there for. It simply means to go back and look at everything that he just said, and that tells you why he's about to say what he's fixing to say. That's what that means. So here's the word therefore, and it's there for a purpose. It's there for a reason. Paul just spent 15 chapters and 57 verses in this last chapter laying down some great truths, dealing with sin, and laying down a great doctrine concerning the gospel and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now he comes to this phrase and he says, therefore, in other words, I have said all of this to you for a purpose because you have a purpose. And I want to tell you this morning, everybody sitting in this church that is saved by the grace of God, you have a purpose in being here. You're not just here by accident. You're not here by chance or circumstance, but God lives. God led you here, and if God led you here, you need to nail your boots down, you need to have longevity in church membership, you need to serve your purpose, you need to stay in your pew, you need to pay your tithes, you need to be in your place in Sunday school, you need to be in the choir singing, you need to be in the youth choir singing, you need to do be involved in the work of God, why, because you have a purpose this morning. You know, some people say sometimes, well, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a singer, as if that's the only thing in church to do. You know our church would not survive if those were the only offices or positions filled in the church. I'm telling you, somebody has to vacuum this carpet and they did, don't it look good today? Somebody has to, somebody has to mow the yard. Somebody has to watch the windows. Somebody has to go through and turn all the lights on. I want you to know when we come to church, and I say we because it's not me, listen, the door doesn't stay unlocked, or at least we hope it don't, amen? The door doesn't stay unlocked. The lights don't just run 24, 7, 365 days. The gate's not just always open, no. Somebody comes up here, they unlock the gate, they unlock the door, they turn the lights on, the temperature. You don't just run all the time. Well, sometimes it does and I backslide every time I find out. But you know, but it shouldn't run all the time. Somebody say man, But I'm telling you, listen, it don't just run all the time by itself. No, no. Somebody's going ahead. Somebody's feeling a purpose. You say, well, it's not a big deal. Could you imagine sitting here in the heat and the dark this morning? I mean, for crying out loud, it's December and we're running the air conditioner. Isn't that crazy? But could you imagine if we didn't turn the air on if we didn't turn the lights on? Could you imagine if we had a traffic jam because the gate wasn't unlocked or everybody was standing on the outside? I'm telling you, everybody has a purpose this morning. You say, I can't do any of those things. No, but you could pray. You could get a church directory for free this morning. Take it home and every day pray by name for your church your pastor, your deacons, your Sunday school teacher. You say, my Sunday school teacher doesn't always do a, a good job. Of course, right now we only got two. I'm not talking about neither one of y'all. But if somebody said, well, I, I wish they did a better job teaching. Have you prayed for them? Have you asked God to help them? I'm talking about, they're purposeful. And then they're personal. Notice what he said. Therefore, my beloved brethren. To Paul, the brethren were on a statistic. It was personal to Paul. He was not ashamed. Can you imagine this now? It may get quiet here, I hope it don't, but Paul was not ashamed to call the worldliest, most gifted, and most sinful church, his brethren. Paul wasn't excusing what they were doing. He rebuked them for what they did. He determined to set it in order and make it right. He wasn't gonna hold hands with sin, but at the end of the day, He wasn't afraid to call them his brethren. Now don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, but do get a hold of it this morning. You wanna be a balanced Christian? Don't go around and praise people that are doing wrong. Don't go around and praise churches. I'm not talking about some of this mess out there, but I'm talking about we all know preachers and we, know all, church, we all know churches, that huh? they don't have the standard like it ought to be, and they're proud of it. And I don't, listen, don't go around and praise them. Um, don't go around and talk well of them um, because that can lead somebody else astray. Can I get an amen right there? But don't run them down. Don't talk bad about them um, because at the end of the day, they're your brethren, amen? You ought to pray for them. I'll put it to you like this, we all have family members that we don't approve of what they're doing. We don't approve of the life that they're living and we don't listen, we're broken and we're burdened about the things they're doing and the way they're living and it's sin and it's wrong and we're against it but at the end of the day, they're your family, they're my family I may say something to my wife or she may say something to me about something we wouldn't approve of but I'm gonna tell you something that distant kin and family that we don't want nobody else writing them down, we don't want nobody else talking about them, what I'm simply saying is, you listen, I'm not ashamed to be identified with the brethren, it's personal this morning. Then they were precious. Paul says, therefore my beloved brethren. Can I be honest with you, if this was the church of Ephesus or the church of Philippi, I could understand why Paul would call them beloved." But a carnal, worldly, sin sick church calls them beloved. You say, well, don't think listen, Paul hadn't dropped his standards. Can I get an amen? amen? Paul didn't lower the standard. If you think Paul's gonna tell them they're doing okay, go home and read the book. I mean, he rakes them over the coals, doesn't he? He says, when I come, it's not gonna be too pleasant when I get there if things don't get in order, amen? And the second epistle's as rough as the first one, amen? I'm just simply saying Paul was not a compromiser just because he called him beloved, amen? What it shows is the spirituality and the maturity and the Christianity of the apostle Paul that there wasn't a drop, though he was a Pharisee at one time, now that he's saved by the grace of God, there's not an ounce of Phariseeism the apostle Paul's life, he is gun barrel straight. He is straight as a board, A standards as high as you can get it, but he's still got the love of Jesus in his heart and he still loves the brethren and he wants to help them no matter how worldly, no matter how carnal, no matter how fallen they are, he still loves them. Sometimes I hear things that other people say about other preachers and other churches and it saddens me. I'm not going to call preachers' names and churches' names that would hurt the cause of Christ. You know what I'm gonna do by the grace of God? Keep preaching that book. Keep preaching it as tight as you can preach it. Keep preaching it straight. I'm not getting up and announcing certain podcasts because they want you to. I'm just gonna keep preaching on sin. And people who listen here and they listen there, they will know where you stand. They will know where they stand. But I don't want to fall into the, the pit of gossip, amen. I'm just trying to move on because they were beloved. And then I noticed they were plural as he identifies them as brethren. And it reminds me, as Paul reminds them, that we all need each other at the end of the day. We can't hold hands with everybody, and I understand that, but we do need everybody. And listen, no man's an island unto him. We can't do this by ourselves. We need everyone when somebody falls into sin. We ought to not be the first one to run out and tell everybody about it. We ought to be of a faithful spirit and conceal the matter and pray for that person. I'm not talking about covering sin, but if I hear about a preacher falling, I don't want the reputation and I don't want the testimony of being the one running around to everybody saying, hey, did you hear about so and so? Did you hear about such and such? No, I don't want that testimony. I may share it with someone and ask to pray for, but I'll tell you, I don't have to tell 15 people about it. I don't want to know the latest gossip. I don't want to know the latest story on somebody. That's good for preachers to live by. That's good for church members to live by. I'm telling you, free up now. We know that we need each other, and when somebody falls, it ought to not entice us to tell the story. It ought to break our hearts. It ought to burden us. When people leave this church, you know what I appreciate about you this morning? It has made pastoring easy in this area. When people leave this church and they go out into sin, oh, they say things. But I appreciate about Bible Baptist Church that I can see sometimes the brokenness in people's lives, but we just carry on. That doesn't mean we forgot them, does it, Brother Laddie? We're still praying for them. But it speaks well of a church that when somebody leaves, you don't hear much about it. Doesn't mean we don't care. It doesn't mean that we have that we didn't that they didn't have a place here. What it means is that as a congregation, we have reached that we have at least come to the place that we realize that we need them and they need us, whether they realize that or not. They can say whatever nasty things they want to about us, but I'll tell you, we're still gonna love them, we're still gonna pray for them. We're not gonna praise their sin, as I've already said. We're not gonna go on Facebook and hit like when they're doing something that's wicked and wrong. That doesn't do any good, that hurts the testimony. What we're gonna do is just back off, to the Lord in prayer and put them in the hands of a just God that we're not gonna say anything Why? because they're brethren I'm saying this morning I'm not ashamed to be identified a word for the brethren is this Paul's identity concerning the brethren this morning then notice Paul's instruction concerning the brethren he said I want you to be something Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye. That's both present and personal and persistent. Paul said, I don't want you to do these things. I want you to be these things. The difference between doing something and being something is if you're just doing it, then eventually you'll stop. You know how that is. First of the year. We're going on diets. How many of you? Now, you know there's more than three of us going on a diet. And if you say, well, I don't need to, well, <laughs> well, that's, jury's out. <laughs> Maybe you're the place, I don't care. Well, that's I'm glad you can live like that. <laughs> but you know everybody, every, I mean, the gyms fill up come January, one, two, three. <laughs> they fill up. And you know, by by you know February, by Valentine's Day, you can't find half of that crowd with a search warrant. You know, they get in there; they're going to lose. You know, eighty-five pounds in the month of January. with they gain ten by uh, you know Valentine's Day. You know, you know, you know what they're just doing. But people that exercise and and God love them and God bless them, but people that exercise every day and drink however many ounces of water you're supposed to drink and don't eat any sugar, they're not just doing, they're being. Amen. That's who they are. And uh, now don't come preaching to me afterwards. Amen. Tell me how many calories are in whatever I'm eating. It's what's in it the last time you ate it. Amen. That's how many calories are in there. But I'm just telling you, uh, uh, Paul said, I don't want you to do these things. He said, I want you to be some things. I've got some instructions. He said, I want. I want you to be systematic. Notice what he said here. He said, therefore my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be systematic. You know, if you serve God, you're gonna have to do the same thing over and over and over and over again. Your prayer life has to be that way. Your Bible reading has to be that way. He said, but what if I fail? You will. But doing it over and over and over again doesn't mean you don't ever fail. It just means that you never quit. You say, well, I, I, I didn't pray like I should yesterday. Maybe you're here and you say, I didn't pray at all. Don't quit. Just because you quit yesterday don't mean you ought to quit altogether. Pick it back up. Just gotta keep on doing it. You gotta be systematic in serving God. You gotta be systematic in going to Sunday school. You know, going to Sunday school don't happen by accident you don't accidentally get up on time and get ready and come to Sunday school. You gotta set a clock. You gotta determine to be here. You gotta come. Come into church. You wanna be systematic in Wednesday nights. That comes because you make that time. You make that appointment. I'm just simply saying, giving your tithes and offerings. We don't do that just by being systematic in that. It's because we set that. We make that point. That's being steadfast. And Paul said, brethren, here's what you need to do. My first instruction for you is to be steadfast. I tell you, if you want God to bless your Christian life, be systematic, amen? Keep on keeping on. As we sung a while ago, keep on the firing line. If you're on the front row, don't slide back five or six or seven rows. You stay on the front row. If you sing in the choir, don't take a break, don't take a vacation. There's no retiring from the choir. I tell you, Sister Maisel and Sister Nina and Sister Cape, and we could just go on and on, came up in this choir and they sang well up in their 80s and they just, kept on. You know why? Because they were systematic. Friend, that's being steadfast. Uh, and we need another generation. And thank God we do have some. Uh, uh, just be steadfast. Amen. If your excuse is I'm tired for anything while you don't do it in the service of God, you're never going to do nothing for God if, if you lean on that crutch all your life. Oh, Brother gravel, you don't never get tired. Oh, I get tired like everybody else. But you got to keep on going. I don't feel like going to the choir tonight. That's when you're supposed to go. You say, I don't feel like praising God. There's only two times to praise God, when you feel like it and when you don't, amen? You're supposed to praise him. Well, it's not sunny outside, and it's kind of dreary on the outside, and I'm tired. I stayed up too late last night. Who well, you ought to say amen anyway. He said, but preacher, I'm not getting anything out of this sermon. Well, at least be systematic and say amen anyway. I'm just simply saying, when it comes to serving God, we cannot quit, hallelujah. Too many churches are falling today because people won't fill their roles. They won't fill their positions. Well, it's easy to say, well, I, you know, people say things like this, well, I'm getting older. Tell that to Caleb in the Bible. He's 85 years old and somebody's trying to tell him, Caleb, we'll take that mountain for you. He said, oh, no. God gave me the promise, not you. He said, I'm well able. And at 85, he's in the battle of his life. I'm sure Caleb had some health issues like everybody else at 85. I'll tell you, his spirit was stronger than his physical ability. You say, what are you say?" I'm saying the reason people keep on serving God and singing, the reason they're systematic in their 70s, in their 80s, it's not because they don't have aches and pains. It's because of this. Their spirit has grew stronger as they've walked with God down through the years. And there's something on the inside and said just keep on keep it on just keep on going just keep on serving are you still with me this morning I'm talking about being systematic amen don't quit be steadfast you know some people has been getting old since they was 30 years old I knew people growing up when I was a teenager brother I thought they were 70 when they were they were only 35 well you know I'm getting older now If you think that way, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I'm not dying right now. At least I hope I'm not. I'm not planning on it. 46 is just a number. After a cup of coffee, some plexus, and an Atkins shake, and a little bit of marijuana, I feel great every morning. Amen. It just takes the jitters off, you know. I'm just kidding. Y'all know I'm just kidding but I'm gonna tell you something, I went to bed last night, I didn't wanna go to sleep. You had to go, you have to go to sleep. Sleep's like a type of death in the word of God. I tell you, I went to bed only because it was the right thing to do. But I tell you, when the clock got up, I went off this morning, I tell you, I got up. I didn't get up singing, I didn't get up shouting, but I was glad to get up and live for God another day. I'm telling you, friend, every day God gives you on this earth, don't waste your day. Be systematic, what's worth thy hand finding to do? Do it with all thy might. If God give you a job, you be the best employee that goes on that job. Don't you be lazy. Don't you just ride the clock. I'm telling you, give God your best every single day. Hallelujah. Well, I wanna say for the few that are still listening, not only be steadfast, but he says be standing. Look what he said, unmovable. That's the instruction. You be systematic, but you be standing you be in a place where you're not gonna budge. You're not gonna move. You have some convictions. You have some standards, young people. You get them convictions in your life. You get some convictions about the way you dress. You get some convictions about fundamentals of the faith. You get some convictions about giving. You get convictions about going to church on Sunday and Wednesday night and not working a job that's gonna knock you out of church. You get some convictions, hallelujah. You get some convictions, that you're not going to talk filthy. That you're going to have clean character and clean life. And it's not just the young people. You get some convictions about, you get some convictions about technology. You know, there's some things that are changing that by the grace of God. I'm not changing. And I'm not doing it because of the church I pastor. I'm not doing it because of just preachers that have instilled it in my life, and I appreciate it i doing it because it's in the Bible. And I believe it with all of my heart. And I've been that all of these years, and by the grace of God, the greatest fear I have is I don't want to falter. I don't want to change. I don't want to compromise. I don't I'd rather die as to compromise. I don't want to back up on anything. I don't care what people think about it. I don't care what people say about it. When you know it's right, thank God you don't have to defend yourself and you don't have to prop the truth up and defend it. They can write all the articles, they can put a bill on all the platforms on social media, they can talk they take all the pictures. They can make all the fun they want to. I'm telling you, friend, I have found the way. I have found the good way. I have found the blessed way. And by the grace of God, we're not moving, hallelujah. Isn't that right? We're not painting the ceiling black. Man told me, he said, you know, if you paint the ceiling black, you can save money. I said, not in our church. It might save a dollar, but I'm afraid of what somebody might say. Amen. We're not getting purple lights in the choir. Or blue lights in the choir. Man, if I see blue lights, I get nervous, don't you? I don't want blue lights in the choir. We're not at least we're not putting a law of a lamp up there that changes. We don't need smoke, uh, smoke machines, and we're not having praise teams and dance teams, and and, and you know uh, uh, we're not we're not doing all them things. Hey uh, uh, I'm telling you, listen, uh, uh, we're not getting in all the things that everybody. You say, well, you're not going to keep up with the times. Uh, I'm not trying to stay in tune with the times. Uh, I'm trying to stay in tune with Him uh, and with heaven. Amen. Uh, I tell you, I want to come to church uh, where it still looks like a church, uh, where people still dress like they're going to church. Uh, I Come to church. I don't care about the cancel culture. I don't care about listen what this modern liberal world says. I don't care about the mandates this morning. I tell you, I got a mandate that overrides any mandate that this world's going to come up with, and we're still going to preach the truth. Hallelujah! I'm going to tell you, God been God been He just been filling my soul full of sermons the last two weeks. And friend, come January 1st, it's Katie bar the door. Amen. He said, what do you mean? I'm, I'm not gonna tell you what I'm preaching on, but I will put it in one word. I'm preaching on everything. I got two things on my mind. God put it in my soul last week. It's to preach on, preach on salvation because we got people need to be saved. It's preach on sin. Because if we'll preach on sin, we can have revival. Can't have revival if you don't get right. And I don't know about you, even if you hit things, you're a preacher's always gonna hit something we're all guilty of, including himself, amen? Because that's the way the Spirit of God works. But I'm telling you, even if I hit some things that you're not guilty of, I, I listen, I, I we still need to be reminded of it, amen? I tell you, I'm gonna preach a sermon by the grace of God. I wrote it down the other day, Brother Laddie. I'm gonna preach on hell's box office. Because it needs to be preached on. And don't let that take the wind out of yourself. It's coming to a pulpit near you. (laughs) Because it is hell's box office. And brother, we used to hear that kind of preaching. And we still need it in this hour. And I don't care what this cancel culture, they say you can't say those words no more. We're going to keep on preaching what we've always preached. My mother, when they come out with the phrase mentally challenged, she said to me one day, she said, You know what they're calling retarded people now? And my sister was retarded. They're calling them mentally challenged. And my mother said this to me, I'll never forget. She said, That's about the most retarded thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> she said, That offends me about your sister that they would call her mentally challenged. She said, if you look at at her doctor's report the day she was born, a doctor, not Dr. Bottle Stopper, but a physician put down profoundly mentally retarded. And my mother said, why would they do that? She was offended by that. I said, you know why, Mom, because they're retarded. (laughs) Isn't it amazing how words that you used to say, now they come along and say, you can't say that no more. That's retarded to me. He said, Well, that offends me. It offends me that you would be offended by something so simple and something so silly. I'm telling you, preachers have fallen into that. We've got to be unmovable at this hour. We still got to preach against sin and sodomy, and we still got to preach against uh, drunkenness. Uh, it's not alcoholism, it's drunkenness. Amen. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, uh, it's still sin, uh, and we need to be unmovable. I need to move on, is what I need to do. Uh, uh, but listen, Paul's instruction is to be systematic, it's to be standing. And then it's to be serving. Notice this phrase here, and please underline it if you haven't. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. No matter what age you are, and I do understand sometimes people get to an age they can't do what they used to. I understand that. I understand somebody could have a knee problem that could hinder them from coming to this choir. But always abounding. There's no retirement in the work of God. Do not get at ease in Zion and say, well, you know, I I think I'm just going to, I'm just going to find me a comfortable place. No, if you've testified all these years, you need to keep on testifying. Isn't that right? If you've got quiet, it's time that you get that back. And when you testify, make sure you brag on Jesus. Don't brag on your flesh. Don't tell us all your ailments. Know the difference between a testimony and a prayer request. Don't get up and depress us. God, please don't get up and depress us. But brag on Jesus. And if you're not in your book, your testimony won't be any good. I can tell you that. It'll get real carnal. It's like a sermon that has no scripture to it. If you'll stay in the word of God, God will give you something to say that's worth saying and worth hearing. But be this morning. Be serving. Be busy. Don't have the retirement attitude as we've said. These were Paul's instructions, Paul's identity. And then I love the way Paul closes this verse, Paul's inspiration. He speaks of three things and I'll give them to you and be done. Number one, he speaks of their wisdom. Look what he said. For as much as ye know. I'm going to tell you, I thank God that in these last days, I thank God for what I know. I'll be first to tell you as Brother Danny said this morning, I don't know everything. But what I know, thank God I know it. And I know it to be true. You don't have to know everything. You're not gonna know everything. But know what you know. And know it to be true. Know why you believe what you believe. Get in that book and find it out. And if you don't find it out, you go to somebody that can help you find it out. Paul said your wisdom. He appeals. That ought to inspire you this morning. This world's crazy. You know that, don't you? When they're telling people the same sex, they can use the same bathrooms, that ought to let you know they're crazy. They're messed up. They're perverted in their minds and their thinking. They don't retain God in their knowledge, the Bible says. They don't want nothing to think about God. But I'm glad that we've not been given the spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. I'll tell you why we're not going the contemporary modern way, because we don't need that way this morning. We've got a sound mind. We've got what we have is solid truth this morning. We don't need to apologize about it. We don't need to back up on it. We don't need to water it down. We don't need to get silence about it. I'm trying to quit, but I got way too much liberty to quit right now. I'm just saying don't you thank God for wisdom? Don't you thank God for this book this morning? We're not doctors. We're not theologians. I'll tell you what we know. I, I wouldn't trade it for all the education in this world. I, I wouldn't trade it, my friend, for all the degrees of this world. I'm telling you, friend, this old black back book, it is worth everything. And I thank God for the wisdom that it gives. It gives wisdom. And your preacher preaching. And yes, I'm talking about me. I don't know everything, but I'm making a point. Your pastor knows more than that Christian counselor that you're gonna pay $150 to an hour. That I can tell you as a pastor, I've seen people down through the years do it and I've never seen it one time help anybody. If you know somebody, you come see me. Because I've known many that's done it, friend. Why is that? I'm going to tell you why that is. God's not given a counselor or a psychologist the answer to your problems. The answer's in this book. No, Brother Gravely, he don't know everything, but i tell you what God in mercy will do. Number one, I'll always be honest with you. And when I don't know the answer, I'll tell you I don't and I'm praying for you. But number two, if we pray together, God will always give us the answer. Because God has the answer. He speaks of their wisdom. He speaks of their work, your labor. Do you have any labor today? Have you been a lazy Christian this year? I'm not shaming you. I'm asking you the same question I'm asking myself. Oh, I want to tell you this morning, church, as a pastor, I really want to pull it up in my life. I don't want to coast. I tell you by the grace of God, I say, Lord, please show me my weaknesses. Lord, show me the areas as a pastor that I can do better. Point them out. It it stings, but I need it, Lord. And I want to give, I don't know how many days on this earth I have, but whatever days I've got, by the grace of God, Lord, if you'll give me the strength, I want to give every day my best to the work of God, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the people that I serve. What about your labor this morning? And then I see the inspiration is in the wages. It's not in vain in the Lord. If what I'm doing, I'm doing for Him, then it's not in vain. If I'm doing it for you, if you're doing it for me, it'll burn up at the judgment seat. If I'm doing it to get a pat on the back, or a crispy handshake, or someone to say good job, then it's vanity this morning. But if you preach, preach, or you sing, or you teach, or you labor, or you pass out a track, or you do anything, for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not in vain, friend. I'm telling you this morning, I've seen Brother Samuel, and God probably let that be there providentially this morning something so insignificant and small, God, a little string, God probably put there just for this illustration this morning. I've seen Brother Ale- Sammy Allen walk many times in churches and I'm sure many of you have too. And if he ever saw something in the floor, he'd stop and pick it up and put it in his pocket just that little old piece of something. He picked it up. You say, well, that's not anything. It's not. And he didn't. I'm not saying I'm getting a reward. That's an illustration this morning. But I'm telling you, if nobody was in this building and you picked that little old piece of paper up and you did it with a good attitude and you did it to keep the house of God clean, then your labor is not in vain. I'm telling you this morning, there's so much to be done in the work of God. We're all without excuse. We don't need a title or a trophy. Just do something. Do something for the glory of God. It's not in vain as we stand this morning. A word for the brethren. I'm glad that in 2021, we can still hear a word from God. God. All the miles that we've traveled to and fro to church. All the services you've attended. If you do it for Him, it's not in vain. All the tracks you pass out. All the prayers. It's not in vain. It's the work of God. It's the greatest work. It's the greatest opportunity. And it is, without a doubt, the greatest privilege and the highest honor to serve our master. It's not in vain. So whatsoever you do, do it heartily. As to the Lord, and not of the men, give God your best.